Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Of lessons from this pandemic, you know, what I've learned, and they are powerful spiritual lessons, you know, that God has taught me in the course of this that I will be bringing out. But today I'm just going to talk about the other side, the other side of this, because what has happened in the last few weeks, six weeks or so, or seven, eight weeks, is this fundamental change. And it has rocked our world in ways that we were incapable of even predicting three months ago. I mean, you know, and even after we emerge out of the heat of it, which we are in now, we are going out of it, it is not going to go back to the same. Uh, In fact, the new world, the new normal that we're going into is definitely... I think it's going to challenge your core, uh, no matter who you are. It's going to challenge, you know, it's going to prove what you are made of. And I'm bringing this because I think we have a, a brief window to prepare for it. Uh, we, we have, a, if you're not prepared, if you have been challenged, some of us, you still think you are okay now. In a few weeks, you're going to realize, I mean, this is not what you bargain for. Because, you know, it's going to challenge your core. It's going to challenge what you have really anchored your heart, your joy, your life on. You know, we all want to believe, you know, God is the source of my life. We all want to believe, you know, I, I, you know, I put my faith in God. But, you know, more often than not, we have a lot of clutches that we've attached to God. Uh, God is not, and that's human to me, to everybody, even to pastors. This has rocked so many pastors' world because just coming on Sunday and seeing crowd, some people have attached themselves to that. So many people are down, depressed now. They're not even able to do ministry effectively because that has been taken, that has been taken away from them. Now, that's a way of proving where is your heart? I mean, are you still able to do ministry when people are not there to say, yes, sir, yes, ma, you know, to carry your bag or to say, hey, man, to, you know, to holler what you're saying? Are you still able to give the word? Are you still able to minister? Are you still able to, are you able to even derive your self-worth, self-esteem from God, not from what you have built? I mean, and this is challenging all of us in different ways. And we have to go back to say, if God says this is how church is going to be forever, am I going to quit? Are you going to say, you know what, uh, I don't think I signed up for this? Or are you just going to do ministry the way he has called it, uh, the way he, has, he, he, just, he wants you to do it? And God has done it in several ways. I've, I've read some of, the, you know, some of the prophets in the Bible where God will challenge them and take their platform away. 
all right, take the platform away. Maybe they are now in hiding, you know, or even in history, great men of God, all of a sudden you are in prison. You know, you're not able to do ministry the way, uh, you know, the way God wants you to do it. Uh, I remember one of uh, one uh, the, a man of God that I read his book very well. He's a Chinese, um, watch my knee, Chinese uh, uh, preacher. He was uh, such a phenomenal preacher, but a lot of his books that is still blessing us today, he wrote them in prison. Uh, he wrote them, you know, he wrote them while he was in prison, and a lot of the material. His ministry actually, without him, took off uh, after, you know, while he was in prison. You know, so many things happen. So God wants to challenge us. And that's why I'm going to start by reading uh, 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 Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is a very popular uh, uh, passage of the scripture. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose. The winds blew and beat against that house, and yet did not fall. It did not fall because he had his foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and with a great crash. It fell with a great crash. You know, one of the things that happen in life is you don't really know what you are made of until it is challenged. All right? You can build, you know, I used to be in construction. I mean, some, you will build a house or a building to be able to take, uh, you know, earthquake. Like the way they build in the West Coast. They, they build in the, in the West Coast after a certain number of earthquakes. They change the code. They change the code. That every building, every bridge, everything built must be built to be able to withstand certain, you know, magnitude of earthquake. Uh, you know, you know. So you're going to do calculations. You're going to, you know, structural engineer. We do calculation on how these things should be together. How uh, there should be a degree of flexibility so they can move without crack, cracking and all those things. You know, you can do all that by calculation, but. It is never challenged until there is an actual earthquake. You know, because after certain earthquakes, sometimes you realize maybe this calculation is not as perfect as we thought. I mean, some of us, this is what we're experiencing now, and this is what we're going to experience over the next several months. We're going to realize we have built a life that cannot necessarily withstand certain level of storm and pressure. And, uh, I mean, some of us, we have a window to go back and begin to rebuild it and begin to examine our hearts because everything is being shaken now and is still going to be shaken over the next several months. Your life, the way you knew it, is not going to be the same because most times we all secretly derive pleasure in other things other than God. We all build our hope in other things other than God himself. We all build our joy. The Bible says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. But we all build those things, our righteousness, our joy, our love. All those things are not as pure as we would like to think. The Bible says 
Every man will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You see, we, want, we all want to proclaim, you know, we are doing our best, we are doing this, we are that. But when challenges come, how do we react? And I'm bringing this message because I believe God put it in my heart to prepare us, you know, for the, for the new normal that is coming. I'm sure I just offended somebody who is, uh, you know, who is, who is really, <laughs> we want to stop hearing that. But sorry, you're not going to stop hearing that because, you know, we need to prepare what is coming. Now, we might not know what it means totally for our way of life, for our economy, you know, even for relationship, you know, we don't know what is still going to come, what is going to be uncovered. We don't know how many challenges we're going to face in the many, many months ahead. But I'm going to share three things today that people that will survive, but beyond just surviving, people that will thrive, people that will do well in the next phase or in the next coming months. There are three things that you must hold on. There are three keys, very, very important, that I'm going to share today uh, briefly, and I trust that you will be blessed by them. Three keys to thriving during and post-pandemic, in the new normal that we're about to get into as a child of God. And I want, you to, I want to remind you, first of all, that God designed believers to thrive in moments like this. Tell me any time in the scripture when people of God are put under pressure. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves, yet they were thriving. The Egyptians, they did everything, everything possible, you know, to try to crush them, to try to really destroy them. The Bible says they continue to multiply. I mean, they continue to multiply. They continue to work stronger and stronger in, in a very, very difficult situation. You know what that tells me? There's a covenant upon believers that empowers us to thrive even in difficult situations. That's what happened. And that's the environment, uh, you know, Moses was born, for example. In fact, God gave me a word of knowledge for a woman that is listening, that you were excited to have a child. You were looking forward to having a child. Uh, but you began to question that now. You know, this pandemic, you kind of say, you know what, I don't want to bring a child into this kind of world. The Lord wants me to tell you that that is not from God. That thought is from the enemy. And he wants me to let you know, Moses was born under a, very, a circumstance like this. Even Jesus was born under a circumstance like this. Where anybody will say, no, this is not when I want to bring a child into the world. The world is crazy. The world is, you know, this, this COVID-19. I don't want to go into the, you know, into the hospital afraid. The Lord is saying, you can't live your life like that. I'm speaking specifically to a woman, and the Lord wants me to tell you, go ahead, have your child. You are going to have a miracle child, a child that is going to really do something great for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just pray for that woman, Lord, that you will just give her peace. You will give her an assurance. You will give her courage to go ahead and do what you have called her to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. So I'm going to share three things. The first thing is the, the reality of the presence of God. All right, three keys. The first key is reality of the presence of God. You see, people who will thrive are people who understand the presence of God is real. It's not a cliche. You know, it's not a cliche. It's real. It is something that we are assured of as a believer. You know, we are assured that he is with us. And people who cannot get that into their reality, you are going to struggle a lot. You're going to struggle. Unless you are able to do that. Because many things will not be present. In fact, people will not be as present as you want them to be. I mean, it's crazy that one of our brothers lost uh, the father two weeks ago or so. In normal time, I will be there. You know, they call me. The, the, my, the, wife was, the wife broke down, was crying. They reach out to us. I mean, they are like 15 minutes from our house. <laughs> but we, we can't even drive there. You know, we have to do a social distance uh, counseling and prayer on the phone. I mean, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. One of our sisters, uh, this week, you know, was, you know, the doctor asked her to quickly go to the emergency. No, she lived very close in Linden. You know, she lives by herself. You know, she texted me, you know, we, I need to go to the emergency. In normal time, I would say, I'm going to meet you there. All right? Normal time. And, and I felt so bad. You know, we had to do everything by phone, checking, texting. How did everything go? Go to the emergency. That is the life we live in now. I mean, loneliness will persist. For many of us who have made social life, what we use as pastime, what we use to just fulfill, you know, you know, social life parties, trust me, they are not going back very soon. I was speaking to someone yesterday, and I said, you know, I feel close to you on the phone. Than, I mean, we meet in church, and we're talking on the phone. We, we, we chatted on the phone. I'm like, we are intimate on the phone. When we meet in church, we are six feet away from each other. We can't even have a serious conversation. And it's, begin, it's beginning to feel so awkward and funny. That is where we're going now, and it's going to increase. Now, that's why in, there will be moments when you just need people and they may not be there. And that's why I'm really the reality that God is with me beyond just a cliche, beyond just feelings. You know, sometimes we feel God is there during worship and we have, uh, you know, goose, goose pimples. I mean, we just feel the presence of God. I mean, we, there'll be times you don't feel all that. And you're going to have to say, this is real to me. God is with me. I'm going to read a few scriptures. You know, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, David knew this. And that's why he said in Psalm 23, the famous Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, you have to know this, that God is with you. You know, when this pandemic started, I was caught in Burundi. You know, I was caught in Burundi. I was, um, I traveled from uh, Rwanda, well, you know, about to enter Burundi, and they said, no, you can't come in. They said, you can't come in. 
uh, we're going to have to quarantine you for 14 days if you want to come in. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. I mean, so they separated just two of us. Everybody came in, every other person in the plane, all the planes that came around the same time. And the two of us, Americans, they just put us aside. I mean, it was so scary because, I mean, they were speaking different languages. They were talking to each other, radio, and we were just like that. We were there for like two hours. First of all, we didn't even know the, whether they were going to quarantine us. We didn't know until two hours later. We were just, first of all, wondering why did they delay us, all right? It was becoming scary. And I have to, re- I mean, that's the time you have to say, God is with me, right? You know, you know, God's presence is with me. I don't know anyone here. I don't speak here. The, the people who are supposed to reach me, they were at the other end. I mean, you know, and they said, you know, you can't go in. You know, or we taking you? I said, no, you're not taking me anywhere. I need to, you know, they said, well, there's no, I had to sleep at the airport. All right. In the airport right there, slept there, found a plane to take me. But in the middle of that, I refused to entertain fear. I reminded myself there were so many other, you know, missionaries, evangelists, apostles, even in the scripture, who have gone through more scary or scarier times in preaching the gospel. I feel like many of us, we're going to find ourselves in situations like that where you just want people to come to your aid, but no one can be there. You know, that's why you must understand the reality of God's presence. Jesus, you know, later told the disciples this in Matthew uh, 28 verse 20. You know, he was, he was telling them about preaching the gospel, going to all the world, make disciples of all nations. He ended it in verse 28 by saying, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about how the disciples, this must have really comforted. Because when Jesus was saying this, they had no idea what was ahead of them. They had no idea. The amount of persecution they were going to face, the, the, you know, the amount of challenges they were going to face, you know, they, were, they were going to be thrown in prisons, they were going to start running away for their lives. They had no idea. And I just can imagine how they will go back here and say, Jesus, you said you are with me. I mean, and I have to believe you are with me. Because, it's, I mean, don't forget, it's probably a lot difficult for them because they used to have him physically by their side. I mean, now, I mean, physically by their side. Now, they have to switch to just believing that he's there. And I believe that, that we're all going to find ourselves in moments like that when we, the reality of God's presence can no longer be a religious, can no longer be feeling, can no longer be just something we assume. It has to be something we know in the core of our heart. He is with me. Hallelujah. My question for you is, are you prepared for a life where God's presence is enough for you? When you can say, you know what? You know, we sing, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. You know, we sing that song. All my hope is in you. Are we prepared for that life when we have to live that? Now, it's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to have to live it. That Jesus, you are enough for me. You know, I don't have club to go to, to just, you know, when I'm stressed, 
by my wife or husband or whatever to just go and while away the time. It's not as there. You know, I don't have, many of us, if you don't have party, you know, girlfriend going out or boy, guys going out, all these things that we have kind of conditioned our joy, our happiness on. I mean, we still claim it's God, but really it's God plus. Oh, many of those things will not be there, you know. And are you going to still be saying, you know, the presence of God is enough for me. Now, we have a window to really do that, to really go into his word, to really meditate, to really get our faith up, to really believe that God's presence is with me. Even if I find myself in difficult situation, maybe I have to walk under difficult circumstance. I have to go into uncomfortable places. I, have to, I find myself in, in circumstances where I need people. They can be there. Are you just going to get angry? Are you going to be fuming? Are you going to be depressed? Are you going to be down? Or are you going to say, you know what? God is with me. This is the moment when I have to say, you know what? Jesus is here. He promised to be with me. In fact, I know he's by my side right now. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. They assure me that I am safe. They assure me that I'm sane. They assure me that I'm going to be okay. In fact, I derive my joy from it. You know, the Bible says, at your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there is life forevermore. The question is, can you really derive fullness of joy from God's presence? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are blessed by that, I want you, you can clap or you can just at least give me an e-clap or something. Uh, let me see. Anybody give me some clap. Give me something. Let me see. Say something. You know, that's, the, that's, our, new, that's our new word now, right? Use emoji. There's plenty of emoji, right? All right? Just, just you know, just be very generous with your emoji. Let's, yeah, it's going up. Wow. Yeah. Facebook people are doing very well with that. Does uh, YouTube have emoji? Okay, so people are doing it. All right, thank you. Okay, some people are good at this. Wow, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, the website crew, we got to find some emoji for them too. All right? The Kintunji, you got to find. Okay, yeah, there's emoji there. There's love emoji. Okay, give me some love, website. Give me some love. Let me know you're there. Don't just turn your computer and just go away and just say, let them just count my number, right? No, 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 no. Yes, somebody, somebody is responding. Praise Jesus. Amen. We have to make this thing work one way or the other, right? Amen. Let's go to the second one. All right, number two, awareness of God's love. Awareness of God's love. Now, this is deep. This is very deep. We need to be serious about knowing that God loves us. I mean, we need to really, you know, that has to go beyond just religion uh, just, you know, cliche, it has to be something as a child of God you meditate on so much that it becomes your reality, that I'm aware. You know, one thing about God's love is it's always there. It's always there. It's not, it's God's love is not shifty. You know, his love is perfect. His love is not disengaged. His love is not wishy-washy. His love is not here today, not there tomorrow. No, his love is, keeps his promise. I love that song we sing. You know, you don't give your love in pieces. 
right? You know, God does not give his love in pieces. God does not, you know, his, his love is there. The issue is, are we aware of his love? You know, is there an awareness? And as a child of God, you have to get to a point where you are just aware. God loves for me. God loves me. God cares for me. And that love is as well everlasting. I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54, verse 10. He talks about that. He said, though the mountains be shaking and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Wow. I mean, I want you to let that sink in. You know, this is God's love. It's God's love is everlasting. God's love stands sure. God's love is there. The issue is, uh, are we aware of it? Do we live in the awareness of it? You know, or is it just something that, you know, we feel it when we sing? Sometimes people just feel this thing when we sing and we can gather together. When we are not able to do that, you know, do you know and know that God loves you? I mean, this season belongs to people who have such an awareness of God's love. And, you know, nothing matters anymore. You know, nothing matters. I mean, when you are just full of God's love, you see, it doesn't matter who is not loving you. I mean, I was listening to, I think it was yesterday, I was listening to a preacher, and I just, I got a little annoyed. Because sometimes I see that some of the messages people preach, sometimes incite flesh. Or, you know, it's about, yeah, if someone is not for you, kick them out. If someone is not, you know, all those all those petty preaching that leads to a petty lifestyle. Uh, you know, uh, if someone is not, I mean, you will always go through life where, I mean, you know, someone is not for you, someone says something about you, uh, then it's about them. It's about, you know, you are beyond them. That's why, that's not how God designed it. God designed us to really, really receive our love. Um, I mean, we all want love. And that's something about all of us. All of us wants to be loved. All of us wants to be accepted. All of us want that. The problem is people cannot always provide that. I mean, that's why when you see, you know, I mean, someone will say, this is my best friend today. By a few months, this is no longer my best friend. I mean, I mean, and you are there. People who live their life like that, they are constantly crushed. You see, they are constantly, it's not a healthy life. They are constantly emotionally crushed, damaged, and oppressed by the enemy. Why? Because, you know, you are, you, you are looking for what only God can supply from people. From your girlfriend, boyfriend, even sometimes a lot of us from our spouses. You're looking for your spouse to fulfill a need that only God can supply. You know, so you are always saying, she doesn't love me, he doesn't love me. I mean, constant, I mean, so many, you know, because sometimes the affirmation that God gives us is what matters. I know God loves me. I know he cares for me. I mean, no, it doesn't matter who does not. And that's very, very important. It doesn't matter. So I really want to challenge you. The awareness of God's love is very critical. People who are not, they are going to suffer. They are going to really be crushed. 
they're going to, I mean, they're going to go through so much, you know. So you have to prepare yourself. Hallelujah. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, one of my favorite passages, you know, uh, 17, to, uh, 17 to 19. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. That's a powerful prayer. You see, I'm praying that first of all, you will be rooted. You know, we started this year by talking about, you know, God wants us to go deeper. Of course, you have to go deeper if you're going to go through a pandemic. Of course, you have to be deep if you're going to go through some, all right? If you're going to go through all this wild wind, I mean, you got to be deep. Very important. So the Bible says, don't just be deep in anything. You know, some people claim to be deep in things. You know, they are deep or they are shallow. They claim to be deep in knowing this, knowing that, knowing that. No, no, no. We're talking about deep in what matters. He said, you must be rooted and established in love. Knowing that nothing can separate me from the love of God. God loves me. God cares for me. And I just live my life from that vantage point. You know, so he's praying for them that they will be rooted and established in love. And they will have the power with all these saints to grasp. And that's what happened. We need to ask God, give me the power to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ for me. I need to be able to know that. And number verse 19, I want to read, I want to see verse 19. Verse 19 says, and to know this love. Lord, give me the capacity to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I mean, how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? You know, he's saying that the love is not something that is just casual, you know, just because you read it, just because you memorize, memorize a few scripture. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. No, 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 no. I mean, that, there, is a, there is a mental knowledge, but there is a revelation knowledge. You know, he's saying this love cannot come by just mental knowledge. It has to come by revelation knowledge. And revelation knowledge will come by asking for it. And that's this prayer. That's why this prayer is very important for you to get to a place where you are aware of God's love. It doesn't matter what someone says, someone has said about you. It doesn't matter your circumstance. You are in a bubble, a good bubble. The bubble is the bubble of the love of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to my last point. My last point is faith in the validity of the word of God. Faith in the validity of the word of God. Your faith must rest in the validity of the word of God. Very, very important. Philippians 2.16 says, And you hold family to the word of life. You see, this season, is going to come, this season is going to require our ability to hold on the word. I mean, because many things are shifting. You see, many things are shifting. Many things are shifting. I mean, and the enemy is going to really continue to bombard you, bombard your mind. You know, when this thing started, I said, I refuse to accept that this will, this will be a negative to my life. I refuse to accept that. By faith, I refuse to accept that. You know, when this thing started, uh, I remember we had, a, you know, we had a trustee meeting. And as usual, I mean, a trustee just brought it up. You know, well, what should, should we be looking to, you know, cutting something from budget? I mean, those are very good decisions. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I just said, you know what? How about let's wait two weeks? That's what I told him. 
Because I said in my heart, I just don't believe this will hurt our church financially. So I told the, I told the trustee, I said, I don't want us to make any decision about, you know, should we do this anymore? Should we not do this more? Let's wait two or three weeks and let's go back and review. You know, after that meeting, I just, I challenged God. I said, God, you, I refuse to accept <laughs> that our members will lose their job and they will not be able to give anymore. I refuse that. I refuse to accept that they will be so badly shaken and they will not serve God anymore. I mean, I refuse to accept that and I reject that. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, our church is doing well. I mean, we are doing fantastically well. All right? We are trending even above average. More than, you know. I mean, so, so, uh, and you must refuse to accept that even for your children. Some of you are already afraid. Oh, what is going to be the impact of this on my children? Online school. Let unbelievers think like that. I refuse to accept that this is going to be a negative for me, for my children. My children is going to lose anything. They're not going to become what God has called. Oh, they're supposed to go into this program. They're going to miss this. They're going to miss that. And we live our life. I refuse to accept that this is going to be a setback for me. It's not. And if you're watching me, I want you to, you have to really hold on. You see, you got to get to a point. That's what faith is. You got to get to a point where you're going to say, am I going to live by sight or by faith? What is faith? Faith is the word of God. Yeah, even if you've lost your job now, you know, you're struggling temporarily. That doesn't mean you should still accept that. Refuse to accept that this is going to be a negative effect on your life. It's not. I remember when... uh, uh, you know, one of our sisters, our sister that gave a testimony, Nife gave a testimony a few weeks ago and uh, about a PhD. So she was about to go for it. I was joking, I, but I meant I was joking. She said, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do my PhD uh, defense and things. And I said, oh, this is a good time. Is that really? I said, yeah, this is a good time. I said, you know, there's coronavirus. I, I think the professors will be afraid and say and, and pass you. Nobody wants to catch virus. Everybody must be nice now. <laughs> This is not a time to be mean on people. She was laughing. I said, I don't think this is a time anybody wants to be mean. I was joking, but I was praying in my heart to say, you know what? Lord, give her a testimony. Let it be. This is, I mean, she's been struggling with all this. Let it be during coronavirus. This happens. I mean, even if you, this is hitting you hard now, that doesn't mean you should accept it. No. Say, Lord, I refuse to accept that this is negative for me. I refuse to accept that this is going to affect my immigration status. I refuse to accept this is going to affect my dream, my goal. In fact, I believe this will work together for good for me. That's a child of God. That's how faith works. Hallelujah. So you must, you know, because the Bible says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yea and amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20. God's promises, they are yea and amen. So what I'm saying is faith in the validity of the word of God is going to force you to try. And how do you know faith? You know, we know faith by what you say. We know faith by what you pronounce. We know faith by what you, you know, by what you do. What you say is very important and your action. So continue to take step of faith. Continue to work on your goals. 
Continue to work on your vision. Continue to declare. Continue to be faithful. Continue to give and tithe. Continue to do all those things because you just refuse to accept that this is going to harm you in any way. This is going to be a, a, a negative effect on your life, on your purpose, on your destiny. It doesn't happen for children of God. Children of God thrive even in time of famine. And I declare over your life that is going to be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare over your life that what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn it for good. I declare over your life you will thrive this season. The Bible says, when men are cast down, you will say it is lifting up. I declare over your life, this is your season of lifting in the mighty name of Jesus. That is not going to be your portion. I mean, for uh, uh, all our medical people, doctors, nurses, hospital workers, you know, PTSD is not your portion. That's not your portion. You know, they're talking about, you know, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. We know a doctor committed suicide last week, you know, because of being overwhelmed. No, this is your own time to be promoted. This is your heroic time. This is a time when your supervisor will say, wow, thank God for your energy. Thank God for your optimism. Thank God for your ideas in how to treat that patient. And we want to reward you with bonuses. We want to reward you with promotions. That will be your portion. For professionals among us, this is a time for you to shine. This is a time to begin to declare over your businesses, over the companies you work for. You are not going down. There's going to be, there's going to be opportunities. This is a time to assure even your bosses. You know, Apostle Paul, he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner in a ship. They were carrying them to Rome. All right? They were, they were taking them to Rome. And there was a storm. The storm was so bad. The, the, uh, the, the guy in charge, you know, at some point was thinking, you know, we're, we're all going to die. All these prisoners were going to die. In fact, at a point they were saying, maybe we should just destroy, kill all these, throw everybody. They were throwing things on the sea. And Apostle Paul appeared to the man and he said, the Lord that I saw <laughs> appeared to me in the dream that we are going to be saved. Don't worry. I mean, I, I mean this is a prisoner. Assuring the, the guard, the chief of the guard, to say we are going to be safe. I just believe, I just see many people here, many professionals here, who are going to assume their position. You are going to be the one to say we are going to be okay. You are going to be the one to, I mean, you might even say it without knowing, and you go back home and go on your knees and say, God, honor what I've said. You know, you are going to declare over your businesses it is well. For you who are business owners, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, you know, just be creative, be flexible, open up to the Holy Spirit. Let him give you ideas. This is not a time to say, oh, bad timing. No, there is no bad timing. God is working on your behalf. Refuse to accept the enemy's verdict. Say, God's verdict is mine. I believe on the word of God. His promises for me, they are yea and they are amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If today is your first time of worshiping with us, I hope you have been blessed. I hope you have been touched. I hope you have been inspired. There's going to be a, on the platform, there's going to be a link that says Agape House NJ 
www.ofcc.org slash guest. I want you to click that. Uh, that's actually going to be on the chart where you are watching.